As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to a very special post-game edition of Football and Grits. Not only... Do we have an episode uh, coming to you after the ACC championship game? We are here and in person. We are not broadcasting live on YouTube, so you guys will not get to see our smiling faces and our sport jackets. Uh, I'm sorry to deprive you guys of that. We kind of failed all around, actually, because... First off, football and Korean barbecue. We had some Korean barbecue. We did last have some night. Korean barbecue, and we didn't even do like some couples photos at the table. We, we didn't should've. give people the content they needed. We could have promoted the show with but, a little post Korean barbecue. But photo instead, shoot. we just dug our face and freshly grilled meats. It was delicious. Shout out to Iron and Age now bringing the heat. Yeah, and we are in Atlanta. And this is the SEC football show, and we are coming from the SEC championship game. This yes. is our Super Bowl. We have commandeered someone's radio booth. Yeah, I'm not the, sure who's We're the bad wearing. boys in the media world. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure whose it is. Uh, but the game is complete. Uh, Georgia 50, thanks to a uh, two-point conversion that uh, Kirby Smart says points to analytics. I think it points to – I'm not really sure, but going from up 25 to 27 instead of 26 – I don't know about that chart, Brody. I don't know, but I guess like yeah, two 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 point touchdowns at sixteen. <laughs> I was doing the math no, three, in my head. Three two point touchdowns and a field goal is twenty seven. <laughs> I guess. I I was doing the math and I was like, I don't know. I, three I, touchdowns I, would be twenty four. Yeah, to I say guess. nothing of the fact that there was like twelve minutes left. You know but, what I thought maybe, and I know this probably isn't it, but I did check what the score of twenty nineteen LSU domination of Georgia was. And it's twenty seven points. All right, all right. I am not putting like words it. in Kirby's mouth, <laughs> but you never know. Kirby said Kirby was pointing to analytics. I would say with 12 minutes left, yeah, you're probably no. okay, but uh, no especially with no Jaden Daniels, we'll get to some of that stuff yes. later. Um, but Brody, 50 to 30. Uh, Georgia, I-, I think for me, the biggest takeaway in watching this is we've seen this from Georgia all year. When they need to show up, they show yeah. up. I-, I don't think that they were going to have a motivation issue. And and I wrote about this post-game. I, I think for people outside of um, college football or just watching it and sort of seeing it, they look at this game and say, oh, 
well, that doesn't really mean anything because Georgia's still going to play for the championship. And it, but, like, that's not how college football works. That's not how locker rooms work. And I think one thing that I hadn't really thought about in talking to some of the players after the game is how much it meant for them to win a championship for the seniors on this roster, an SEC championship anyway. That's the one thing they hadn't really done. And Kirby even said he doesn't want anybody leaving this program without an SEC championship. And if they had lost tonight, that would have happened for some of these guys. I, t- I talked to um, uh, I-, I talked to a couple Georgia players, really, and one of them told me, hey, Kiaris Jackson, I can't remember, he didn't really say when they figured this out, but it's been almost 2,000 days since Kiaris Jackson committed to uh, Georgia wow. and has not won an SEC championship. So for all the dominance and all the things that this program has done, they still haven't really done that. And only, f- what, four SEC championships ever – uh, and only two since 1982. And it's like, it's so unfortunate that we live now in like such a result, like end result based society where it's like, but what does this mean for the playoff? Yeah. And it's like, no, no, we need to just step back and remember the SEC championship is a big deal to these people. And as much as we are sitting on our behinds watching football that we're like, yeah, but what does this mean for later? Like, the people who are just obsessed with this every day, like, the SEC championship is the goal, and the championship is kind of like the next thing, but it's yeah. like, the SEC's the goal, man. And we mentioned it on Monday, and I think people forget, like, for as much as the grand college football ecosystem is obsessed with the playoff, the, the locker rooms are not. Like, it has not really become... A conversation piece in the same way that it is outside of it. They talk about, hey, we want to win our division. We want to win our league. We want to get in the playoff. We want to win our national championship. It's not, well, can we get in the playoff? Can we do this? Like, I, I think even that's after the fact. And I think even you know, not to not to make this football and brisket, but Max Duggan earlier today at TCU, <laughs> you saw him in tears. Uh, our our colleague Chris yeah. Vanini asked him, "Do you guys deserve to be in the playoff?" He couldn't even answer the question. He was choked up and just said, I I can't even think about that right now because I'm so broken about this. TCU lost that game. TCU probably getting in the playoff. We'll talk about that in a second here, too. TCU's probably getting in the playoff. Max Duggan isn't sitting up there with a microphone saying, ah, we'll get him next time. We're in the playoff. That's all that matters. This stuff matters. And I just don't – I don't think that the college football fan at large – fully understands that as much as maybe the players certainly do of what actually means something to these players. I don't think Kirby Smart sitting in a Monday game planning meeting had a lot of thoughts about, well, we need to limit the snaps for our starters in this game. Uh, you know, we need to make sure that, uh, you know, <laughs> we, we don't play uh, Jalen Carter too many plays. We don't want to get him dinged up. Wonder how I, it now I, matters? They ran a two-point conversion <laughs> yeah. on a trick play with a reverse from tight end to tight end. And I think that, I think to me, when people talk about the fears of a growing playoff and all these things, I think people want to pretend like rivalry week and championship week are going to turn into preseason games. Maybe, but I just, knowing how locker rooms work, knowing yeah. how goals work, knowing how players are motivated, I just don't think that that day is ever coming. And I think maybe the fan interest could could wane a little bit. Yeah. But, you know, rivalry games, that that's the lifeblood of college football in a lot of yes, ways. That is college football. Yes. That's the product yes. to me. Yeah. And championship Saturday a rather new phenomenon in the sport, but certainly something that means something. Winning your league matters. And I think we saw Georgia prove that today um, on the field and in how the players conducted themselves and talked about it after. I just... 
I can't tell you that these these games mean something and 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 that matters. But Brody, from the LSU perspective, yeah. they coughed up their opportunity, however slim it may or may not have been, to play for a shot in the playoff last week. But they're still here. An SEC championship still would have meant a lot to LSU, Absolutely. despite the fact that they won theirs. Uh, was it nineteen? 20. 19. 19. 20 was the Bama Devontae Smith year. Yes. They won it in 19. What did you see out of the Tigers today? I think it's an example. I mean, LSU gave its best punch. Like, they Mm -hmm. came out. They played well, arguably, in the first quarter. They honestly moved the ball on Georgia in a way that nobody has, quite frankly. It's hard to dominate Georgia and be losing 21-7 as LSU (laughs) was in the first quarter. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) I mean, it's like, and I know there's a way to discuss this game that probably would be exhausting because, like, and I say this because my mentions are full of it, where it's like <laughs> you could view it one way and be like, guys, they were down 35-10, and then they like scored a bunch of second-half points. That's accurate. Mm-hmm. Like It was accurate that Georgia was way better. And it's accurate to say LSU had a – I mean, you guys probably watched it if you're listening to this and you know. LSU had a field goal get blocked, didn't know the ball was live, and allowed a 95-yard touchdown. That is a – 10-point swing on one play mm-hmm. and then had, and again, this doesn't mean this drive would have gone to something, but then had on a first play of another drive, an interception get deflected into a helmet, off a helmet, and for an interception that set up a touchdown on the next play. So it's like, yeah. that's like 17, you know, 14 points that are basically just kind of, fluky's not fair because Georgia deserves credit, but fluky. Yeah. And like, there's a way you can spin this as like, LSU played its best game and then put itself behind the eight ball and it's not just that no one can go to toe with georgia people can go to toe to toe to georgia what georgia does is they are so deep and so talented and so disciplined that like you it's hard to last four quarters with georgia and if you're gonna make mistakes like that you're not gonna overcome it but the real anyway that's aside from the actual big picture point which is yeah, I think when you have to step back, like it's this weird crossroads you have to debate it when you're LSU right now. When you overachieved, you were not supposed to be in this game, and you should be really happy about it. And 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 all and there's validity and truth in all the achievement of this year that you overachieved, that everything's pointing in the right direction, that you're getting better. I mean, shoot, they showed again tonight. Like this team, I've never seen a team play so well in second halves like this when they're always trailing. They always do it. And this game just kind of does remind you there is a large gap. There is like it is both true that you are on a path to maybe be one of the best teams in the West over the next decade, and you still have a you know you are probably realistically three years away at, at minimum to be clear, like a few years away from building a roster that can compete with Georgia. You know where where you put before the show mm. where it's not a surprise if you beat them one. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that's the thing about Georgia's roster is they make you come to terms with your limitations as a roster <laughs> so in a hurry um, because there's so much talent everywhere. They don't have any real weaknesses. That's a problem, and LSU had a lot of problems. And I will say on that field goal kick, first of all, hilarious play, but I'll give you a look inside some of the the internal dialogue of Chris Smith because – it was a whole thing. So if you watch Chris Smith, he's he's hovering over the ball. The officials were probably a half second, a second away yeah. from blowing that dead. It was still moving. It was moving, but so but you barely. could you could yeah. see like the refs were kind of waiting on it. So he's one. So Georgia has a very strict rule. They actually have some teach tape that they use this of a Bama play where they picked up a fumble or tried to pick up a fumble and didn't get possession and lost possession and, got, and gave it back to him. But they have a rule that if it's blocked and it's ahead of the, you know, behind the, the, the line of scrimmage, that nobody is allowed to pick it up. Okay. So you're seeing Chris Smith hover it. Smile Munden is staring at him, waving his hand, saying, <laughs> do not pick it up. Do not pick it up. 
And then he's looking at the sideline, trying to see if he can get the okay to pick it up. Oh while God. also looking at the official to see as he as he went, and then eventually he just he sees the clear pass. That's incredible. The mean potential on him. Yeah. Is so good. <laughs> yes, and so he picks it up and takes off, and it, it is just funny because like. If you're playing backyard football or whatever, there's not a lot of field goals in backyard football. But I think every ounce of him, the football player, wanted to scoop that up and go. And he's winning. He's like, I don't want to scoop this up and then get yelled at by Kirby on the sideline for breaking a rule that we have it's on special teams. It's the bookend to the Keely Ringo touchdown return yes, last year. it is. Every, it's the bookend of you learned, you knew to wait, and then even yes. they said, you know what, son? You earned it. At some go point, the football player takes over. And I, I think I was telling uh, Brody about this the other day, but like – I watched that national championship last year at the AFCA convention in a hotel bar full of coaches. And let me tell you, literally every coach in the building is screaming at Keely Ringo, get down, son, get down. And he's refusing to get down. So props to uh, Chris Smith for one of the most entertaining plays I've seen on a football field before. And, you know, I think... And the best part is, by the way, like LSU should, is, should be dunked on for not knowing how to play that. Like absolutely, I didn't hear the whistle, best, and that's the thing. The best part <laughs> is half the Georgia players were walking off yeah. too, so everyone's a little dumb. Yeah, you, you see the, the Georgia player blocked it, sprinted off to the sideline in celebration. <laughs> really? Yes, and he's gone. And then it, as you see, Chris Smith, I think it was uh, uh, Jalen Carter and uh, I forget who, or Robert Beal are high fiving as they're walking back to the sideline as Chris Smith is running right past them with the ball. Oh Just God. an incredible play. It's college football at its best. It, it really, really is. is. And so, uh, you know, this was not probably the most memorable game I think no. I've ever covered or seen. Uh, but it definitely had its moments. And that's one I will not forget. Uh, quite a play, uh, quite a performance. And, and props to Georgia uh, for playing. Um, honestly, a pretty impressive performance from them. I was going to say it's impressive, but it's also like, I don't, I'm trying to think. What imp- what impressed you about Georgia most in this game? Does that make sense? Like, well, I think they didn't let LSU ugly it up. I think they yeah. were able to they were able to run the ball with I think some I'm most success. Impressed with Georgia's offense. Yeah, they were they were able to run well, the ball with with, with some success, um, enough success to to be productive in mm-hmm. a real way, and then and Bennett was throwing <coughs> some dimes out there. And I will say also, you know, not to uh, make this football and gumbo, but the the Garrett Nussmeyer future, old boy can he's not afraid to let it Dude, rip. He was some, getting after it today. There's some vindication I feel right now because I've been like having to argue with every LSU fan, being like, "Why would Nussmeyer play?" I'm like, Garrett Nussmeyer has special, special stuff. Dude, he, he is a gunslinger and he's raw. I was impressed. He, he throws some INTs where you're like, "What are you doing?" But that dude makes plays that only like. And this is not an exaggeration. He makes plays that only, like, six people can make. Is that fair? I think we saw enough throws today. The first touchdown throw, the dart over. I didn't see who the DB was. That's an incredible play. There was that one where he, like, literally shook off a sack. Yes. Ran right and then threw it 55 yards downfield. Like, he... A lot of potential in here. Yeah, we don't need to dive into that. A lot of potential. I like what I saw from him, and that's... Listen, degree of difficulty, big spot, you're behind, Georgia's pass rush, we know about them, they're putting their ears back, they're coming after you, you're playing Georgia, again, <laughs> and a week that, whatever you can say about preparation or whatever, I'm sure he didn't take a lot of first team snaps this week, Yeah. and you walk in, impressive performance from him. Yeah, man. Uh, props Tip to him. That, that made me very excited for the future of LSU football, because I yeah. think that's that's some stuff that... 
they're going to see a lot of in the yeah. future. Uh, maybe could cut down on some of the more dangerous throws. He was playing with yeah, fire. Exa- oh, God. But, man, <laughs> but it was good. Wait, it was entertaining. So we, we don't need to spend time on this, but I am curious. Because we spent, you know, for the listeners, Dave and I have spent like half this day debating our Heisman ballots. Yes. Does Stetson Bennett even register on your ballot? No. I, don't, um, I, I did not prepare I, you I for will, this question. I will hear people who want to put Stetson on the ballot. Okay. I understand that. Um, but I don't really want to give Stetson Bennett credit for um, what the defense does and, quite frankly, what the defense did last year. Because if you really want to talk about well, the Stetson... Balls this you year. do. He did. He has. And he's been really efficient. Here's my counter to this, okay? If you're going to say the talent around him... It's not so much the talent around him. It's that if you took Stetson Bennett off this team and you replaced him with how many quarterbacks in this situation could produce the way that Stetson could produce. I think it's a reasonably long list. 15, 20 guys, All right, maybe? That's, that's a fair And that's question. where I get it. And I think Georgia... You know, when you when the when the Stetson Bennett conversation happens, it's a lot of like, um, well, you know, he's already got a national championship, and he's the efficiency numbers are off the charts this year, and he makes he makes plays. He's a great for me. Player. It's not even the efficiency; it's actually like the playmaking that he's. Developed. He can do that like, too. Mm-hmm. That's what's wild me. No, and actually, you are right. He's like, a very good player, but at the end of the day, the yeah. Heisman is about who's the best player in college football. And if you want, if people want to make the case to me that Stetson Bennett is the best player in college football. I don't know what you're smoking. Well, That's the no, thing. I think your entire argument is correct, but I also just had a moment while I was watching this game where I'm like, I used to be like, no, he's just this, you know, the game manager of this really talented team. And I'm like, wait, how much of the 2000s and 2010s <laughs> have been like defined by really talented teams just bogged down by like a completely average quarterback? Yeah. Like, that happens a lot. But still, you are right. A very good Part player. Part of me is just like, man, I wouldn't mind him getting like that third or fourth spot. You know? I, I think know. the people that are super certain about their Heisman ballots at this point. I, I don't know how. And I, I think the as we're talking Saturday night, as far as I saw, the betting numbers were still like negative 2,500 yeah, that, uh, that Caleb was going to win. That's a little surprising. Duggan will finish second. Eh, maybe. Maybe. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I know that I think probably Hannon Hooker will be on my ballot. Caleb will probably be on my ballot. I'm not sure what order. I'm not sure what third person yeah, in my so You actually don't know your first number one? I really don't yet. I, 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 I need to look I at do it. know mine. But. I need to look at it, and I need to look at... I need to look at it. I need to look at what... Uh, uh, just really compare the numbers, compare the schedules, yeah. compare how they did against like the best defenses that they faced, the biggest Fair. games that they played yeah, in. Moments matter. Um, I think those things are important to me. Um, but we'll see. Yeah. We'll see how it shakes out. Um... And time will tell. Yes. Uh, now, I thought that election season was pretty much over. We're in Georgia, so if you turn on the TV here, you're going to see runoff election ads constantly. I've seen a lot, by it's the been way. a lot. Yeah, I've been here for 24 is, hours. It's been. It, I came. I was here the week before the election for Tennessee's game against Georgia, and it was intense that time. It's maybe even more intense now. Um, but on Saturday night, we saw a different type of politicking. Nick Saban. Uh, going on every broadcast imaginable yeah. to plead Alabama's case, including including Fox's halftime broadcast of Purdue and Michigan. Wild. I cannot believe that Fox, who is not an SEC partner, gave airtime to... Like, are you going to turn down the Godfather? Yeah, yeah like. gave airtime to uh, Nick Saban to plead Alabama's case. Also, Reggie Bush, after that interview, I believe he said it was a, a honor to talk to him. 
All right. All right. Which, but, <laughs> anyway, that was going to be my first question. Is like, what power do we think this actually carries? And I'm like, maybe a bit. Well, so here, like, here's, people cower to Nick Saban. They do. So here's here's where I think it actually there might actually be some validity to it because the last couple days, really the last week, there's been like an anger of like, oh, the media needs to make it clear who deserves to be in the playoff, whether that's you know Tennessee over Alabama or Alabama USC or Ohio State. All there's a lot of like, listen, the committee is they're pretty insulated. They don't really pay attention, I don't think, to a lot of what the quote-unquote media says. They definitely don't pay attention to the polls. I don't pay attention to the polls. No. Um, they definitely don't. They do their own stuff. Now, here's where I think this is not even a media issue. What the committee is doing today is sitting around in a conference room watching all these games on three televisions. Ooh. And Nick Saban, when all these games are at halftime, is on the screen literally talking directly to the committee. Yep. That's not the media, but that he's pleading his case, and that's all you can really ask for. And now, I think he's the only coach in the world where like him saying that would actually make a bunch of grown, powerful men I think that's like, might, that might be like, true. Yeah, maybe. That, there might be some truth to that. Now, Brody, it's worth talking about his case. Yes. Because it's if you look at it, it's a dangerous road. It is a dangerous road. Uh, it is. Uh, it was made our colleague Ari Wasserman proud because it was built around essentially two tenets. I think he had his talking points, and he 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 stayed to them. Number one, he said, and I well, I'm not going to quote because I'm yeah, not going to quote in front of you. You were literally not. But he basically it. said. <laughs> If us versus TCU played on a neutral field, you know, who would be favored? You know, if they're going to be the underdogs, well, that's okay. So let's tackle this point first before we get there. Number one, Vegas doesn't make betting lines based on who they think would win. They make betting lines based on who, on how the public will vote. So you can say, well, you know, technically TCB would be a, a, an underdog. Okay, that's fine. His other points? A lot of talent, a lot of recruiting. Hey, you know, I don't think he explicitly said this. Uh, I was writing and kind of half yeah, paying yeah. attention, but he certainly intimated that well, Alabama is a more talented team. Essentially, to quote our colleague, "Stars matter." <laughs> so, yes. No, yeah, he literally did. Now, while they do, it, if we just want to live in this world, then there's no point in Ohio State, Alabama, and Georgia playing any actual football games because if we're just going to talk about betting lines and recruiting. Well, then just put them in the playoff, and then everyone else, the other 127 teams can compete for the fourth spot. Now, the unfortunate reality is that's mostly what's been happening in college football yes. over the last five years, but it's not happened this year. Yeah. Alabama, on the one hand, does not have the wins. Their best wins are Texas and Mississippi State. They have not been dominant. They've lacked game control in a lot of cases. Um, they haven't just rolled people, which you can critique Michigan's schedule – but Michigan's dominated people this year, um, and so that you know that that sort of goes out the window. Alabama has not been dominant, uh, and then of course, you know they have certainly lost. They have really good losses, and that's honestly like the strongest part of their resume. Yeah, which the committee does care about losses, but it cares about wins more, and so. And you also, know, it's, like, it's, their losses don't look as great as they did in the literal It's moment. true. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, you and I both think Tennessee's very good, but still, like, neither loss looks as good as it did four yeah. years ago. Uh, and so, you know, I, I okay. but as we zoom out, I don't think it's going to work. I think TCU acquitted itself too well. I think the committee uh, 
does view teams differently when they have one loss versus two losses. Yeah. It's almost like a different category. And I was talking to another person earlier. I think this is actually a rather hilarious point. If TCU had won today, it wouldn't really be a conversation piece no. because then they it wouldn't have mattered. But if they had won today, they would not have a top ten win. But they lost today, and K-State is ranked number oh 10. Oh, my God. And they've already beaten K-State. So their wins actually improved because they lost today. They will keep a top 10 win. That is incredible. That they would have I know, lost I know, if they had We won. mentioned Ari too much on the show, but he had a great – someone replied to him on a tweet today saying, like, TCU hasn't beat every team they've played. And he quotes me <laughs> yeah. and says, TCU has beaten every team they've played. Like, oh, yeah, good point. Exactly. But – so I, I, if TCU had lost by double digits, I think I my number was like thirty to thirty five percent that they put in Bama. Yeah. But the way that they lost, I think it's less than ten percent, and it's probably not even worth really entertaining. I hope you're right. So let's get to the Saban argument part, okay? Because this is so dangerous, and I'm, and I, this is coming from me, the person who like on our show like over references analytics and like <laughs> what SP plus and all these proje- the I, committee looks at a lot of different. I metrics live and, on pro- uh, they love projecting projecting like. <laughs> Futuristic metrics, because but that can't be how we. Those cannot be the after the fact judgment. Mm-hmm. They are helpful tools that I use daily. There's so many times like I always use the example of 2019 Auburn. Every team that played uh, 2019 was a great year in the SEC, and everyone who played 2019 Auburn actually said like other than LSU, 2019 Auburn was the best team they played that year. But guess what? They went nine and three, and they don't deserve more. But they probably were better, and predictive metrics think they were yes. better. But at some point, it has to be, and I like I live on this stuff, and I agree. Ohio State would be favored, and Alabama would be favored, and like a lot of these other games we're talking about. But if you live in a world where that is your only metric, there is the sport is broken forever. And I think the strongest case for Alabama is if you want to talk about the four best teams. If the committee wanted to do it... Also, by the way, let's just really quickly say, Alabama has never looked great in a game this They haven't. Year. Like, they let's haven't. just quickly say that. It's true. They haven't. Yeah. But if you want to say the it's four the best thing. teams, would you say that Alabama is one of the four best teams this year? I, I think I probably would. It's not a slam dunk, but probably. No. I think Alabama, quite frankly, is a better team it than gets, TCU, but it's like you said... They have never actually looked like a top five team to me, yeah. ever. That's your biggest take. And... Now, it gets complicated because it's like, if you're asking me who the four best teams are this season, like, with Hooker, it's Tennessee's in there. Mm -hmm. Uh, No, I just, I've been the defender of Bama on the show sometimes, but no, there's actually no world where I have watched this team play football, because it's not just the talent, it's the coaching staff, the scheme, Bill O'Brien, like, all this stuff. Like, you are the accumulation of the parts. I am, like, I am the opposite of the take I normally have, but no, I do not think Alabama's <laughs> okay. a top four team. I think, ultimately, if you gave me the Alabama against everybody except Georgia. Georgia. What about Michigan? No, I take Michigan. Okay. I think Michigan it. could, I think Michigan would, I don't think they Good. could move the ball against Michigan. Um, Ohio State, I think, is probably a better team than them this year. Probably. Everyone else? Yeah, it's tough. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I'm taking Bama. I think I'm taking Bama. Again, and that's, that's and the it's thing. the predictive metrics thing, right? Yeah. It's like, guys, I'm just gonna let you know. Kansas State, even though like in our heads isn't as good as TCU, like the predictive metrics had it as a toss up. Yeah, and like, I will say TCU is not considered great by yeah. any metric. And I will say, while we're saying this, I also want to say just on a practical level, Alabama should not be in the field. 
Yeah, yeah they, they absolutely should not be. I I, I am a big We're believer. We're doing an exercise. Yeah, yeah, I am a big believer in that at some point the games have to matter. And Alabama has, to me, it would be a travesty. And I think even talking to some of the SEC people around today, even they were kind of like sheepishly like, boy, there's going to be a lot of pushback if Bama gets in. And while I, I, was talking to them, I was talking to them while TCU was still kind of on the ropes. But even they were kind of like, boy. <laughs> They're like, if, if Alabama gets in, uh, people are going to be real mad. And I was I mean, like, yeah, man. <laughs> it would have been the official, like, we're, I think we're already there. But like, if, sometimes, I, I swear, what year was it before that we expanded to four that it was like, we officially need this? I can't remember. But it was well, like, TCU were, and eleven was yeah, pretty. There was TCU year, and eleven was pretty I think bad. That's it. There was a year where we're all like, guys, like this is officially broken, mm-hmm. and it came right as we were officially expanding. And this is that we are finally expanding, and this is the year everyone's like, oh, we need to expand. Like, yeah, and ironically, this year would have been the best. Would have been the best year for the BCS because oh, because oh, yeah. I just want to see Georgia, Michigan. You're those right. Are the only, those are the only two teams but that I'm I've here consistently for the twelve this at. year, man. Kansas State. Oh, I will. I listen. I think the twelve would have been amazing in every year. Wait, would Kansas State have a buy? Yes, Kansas. They would have a bye because they're the champions, so they'd have wait, a top wait, four would seed. Would they be a top four champion? Yeah, they'd be a top four champion. Mm-hmm. Because I believe Bill Connolly was. Would they be ahead of USC? Uh, yeah, USC didn't win, so yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, duh. Okay, yeah. yeah, okay, good call. Okay. So they would be. It would be them, and then. Um, uh, so it's Georgia because because Georgia, Michigan, and then Bill Connolly said it was Tulane. Tulane to be the fourth seed because Ooh. they'd be the highest champion. To be higher than the other champions because of a weird quirk. So yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So yeah. Tulane would get a bar. Which okay. <laughs> by the way, that, I know people are going to argue that's a case against the twelve team playoff. I, I don't know. We're soft the rails here, but like, no, that's for me the biggest case for yes. it. That is literally evidence that you have to play the whole season. Yeah. That is the best evidence ever. So anyway, I'm excited about. It. But this year, the BCS would have been fine because if it was Georgia and Michigan. That's true. No, people right. would be like, okay, like, yeah. all right, TCU, you had your chance. You didn't get it done. USC had your chance. Man. Well, USC had one loss. So I want to preface this with this is a terrible idea. <laughs> but, like, what if, like, you know like, the Oscars or the Heisman, it's like you kind of just decide after the voting, like, if it's six or seven. Yeah. Right? It's like, man, like, what if, like, the Heisman, I mean, the championship, they were like, you know what we're doing for this year? I think this in a, a perfect world, in a perfect world, quite frankly, a judgment call case by case basis how many how big the playoff is it can't work with the new format because no but it, but i think in a in a perfect world that actually makes a lot of like sense a, it could never happen you could do a 2 yeah. 4 8 yeah. with, with the 12 with the tie-ins you could never yeah, yeah. Anyway. but I, i'd like to see it uh, but i don't think so is our is your it. official you do, not what you think well actually no first yeah what do you think of the four is well uh, what do i think of what the four should be the four, I think, is pretty simple to me. Yeah. Uh, I think, obviously, Georgia's number one. Uh, as we're watching this, Michigan, or as we're recording this, Michigan away, is yeah. up. They're, yeah. they're, they're handling Purdue. Michigan will be number two. Now, they're going to avoid the, the rematch. So, so we think oh, I think Ohio State. So TCU holds TCU three. holds it three despite losing, okay. and then Ohio State moves up to four thanks to USC, and, that and is, then Bama will be sitting there. Correct me like if I'm wrong. That is what you think six. it should be too. That's what I think it will be, and that's what I think it should yeah, be. Yeah, okay. Both I'm with you. I have no problem. I think if you're TCU, you're a little nervous tomorrow, but you're yeah. probably fine. They did. Uh, they I saw you. Treat, they invited. They did invite, which is very odd. Uh, well, TCU has a very different program because under Gary Patterson, they're very closed off and very difficult to deal with from a media standpoint. Sonny Dykes 
one, his personality. Two, his philosophy is very, very different. They're very, very open. When he was at SMU, I think Chris Vanini like lived in their offices for yeah. like a week. Like, Sonny is very, very open, and and he's running TCU in a very different way than Gary Patterson did. And um, you know, it's paying off. So it is what it is. Um, Brody, this brings us to basically the the end of this uh, postseason edition of Football and Grits. What uh, the SEC season? Wow, that's. Sad. I think it it is the SEC season is over until uh, Bama makes the playoff and rematches Georgia in the national championship game. <laughs> and now I just go back into my grits container like a genie, and I come back out. Next I September. think so. Yeah. I think it's. Uh, uh, I haven't had a chance to read his column yet because we're still in the process of it. But I think Jeff Schultz is writing about Georgia's chase of history. Uh, one, Georgia has a pretty good shot to be the first repeat champion since USC in 04. Which is wild. We don't recognize vacated titles for dumb rules because they happened. I watched them. And also the rules sucked and uh, I don't recognize those rules even though technically they still are there. Screw that. I don't think there's been has there been a three-peat champion before? No, I think that was the whole thing with USC. It was like when USC lost to Texas it was like they were going for the three-peat. Oh yeah. I'm sure it might have happened in like the Army Navy. I'd have to look days, back. I think I, Oklahoma would have been the last that's one. That's what right? I think about the think Bud Wilkinson era. No, the Bud Wilkinson era. I think they won like five or something in a row, something like that. I could. I need to go back I don't and think look. Switzer did anything? Yeah. No, Switzer so, did. But in the in yeah. the Bud Wilkinson days, like the, the old Dust Bowl, I think Oklahoma did. But so yeah. Uh, that was back when Lincoln Rally had a defense. It's kind of amazing no one's done it because we live in a time of like. <laughs> yeah, well, Bam- Bama's never even gone back to back. It's uh, unbelievable. And they've had really good teams a lot. And I think, like. So are you are you taking them to do it? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think they will. I think they will. I think ultimately they're so balanced, they have no real weaknesses. They can kind of do everything. They can win games in different ways. If they get in a shootout with Ohio State and they have to get in a fist fight with Michigan, yeah. they can win both of those games in both of those ways. Last thing, wait, not last thing. We're doing a bunch of things, but I want to, like, I wonder just really quickly touch on because you said like they're good because the matchups are going to avoid it. Mm-hmm. But their number one job is to protect the number one team. Is there no yeah. way we just do the rematch and they get TCU? No, because you can't. So like. Ohio State will be the fourth, number four in theory. Okay, but, so you can't but, you can't just pretend that uh, you know well that TCU will be would should, should go below them or whatever. You know, despite yeah, the but they're both one loss teams. They're going like, to avoid the they're going to avoid the rematch. I, I think ultimately you're right, ultimately the top four. It, it, it's a television show, so I know, but like, you don't want to have that rematch in Michigan's next or in Ohio State's next game. That's I guess, silly, but like. I feel like Georgia will. I don't know. You're you're probably right, but I'm just like. I I mean, this is why I like TCU and Ohio State will both be one loss teams, and the committee likes Ohio State more. Yeah. So I'm not that convinced. Ari, I liked Ari's column this week, uh, talking about how when Michigan drubbed Ohio State, Georgia actually lost because it's true. And it's unfortunate that Georgia will have a tougher road. I hope, yeah. But you can't just pretend that, that TCU is – or that Ohio State's a better team than TCU. No, you're right. Reality, you're right. Reality. You're right. All right. So we'll have to see. But, um, but ultimately, you know, Georgia's going to be tempting history here. Now, Georgia's not unbeatable. They can be beaten. Right. Uh, if Missouri we, can get them we down even double saw digits. It today. Yeah. yeah like, they're, they're not untouchable, but certainly they're the odds-on favorite to do it. I think they will. Uh, I will not be shocked if they don't. They're not a slam dunk. Um, but – it's going to take something special for somebody to beat them. 
You're going to need to yeah. win the turnover battle. You're going to need to make some plays. Um, it's, Georgia's going to be tough to beat this year. I have a hard time seeing – it's like Ohio State obviously matches up. I just have a hard time seeing Ohio State pulling it off. I've just been so disappointed with mm-hmm. Stroud and that offense whenever they face Soft, them. a fitting indicator for Ohio State, I think, in uh, a yeah. different ways. And just whenever they get challenged in like terms of like a defense that knows what it's doing and makes you like, you know, puts two over top and makes life hard for Stroud, like, and Georgia's going to do that better than anyone. Mm-hmm. It's like Michigan. I just want Michigan Georgia. It's going to be the best. It's going to be my favorite national title game if that happens. It's going to be fun. In a while. And it's going to be fun, and we will have to see if Georgia can rise to the occasion. As they did today, Brody. Uh, it's been good. Uh, we appreciate you guys sticking with us this year for football and grits. We'll probably have some other episodes. Yeah, I don't think we're done for the year. We're not yeah. done for the year. I don't know. We but I don't know if we're going to be up like next Monday. Yeah, we yeah. haven't really talked about content plans. We'll keep you up. This is going to be a crazy yeah. week. I'm traveling a bunch. There's no games. We got Army Navy next week. Got the Heisman. There might be worth some some Heisman conversation. We'll see. Um, But, yeah, so stick with us. We'll be around on the Andy Staples Show and Friends feed. Uh, We might have to have some, maybe a, a, well, we could do a bowl preview show of some kind. Something along those lines. Break them down. Bring some, uh, bring some guests, bring a guest or two in here. We've had a couple guests on the docket. I won't use any names. We had a couple guests on the docket. But we've been waiting. We've been waiting for the best time to bring them on. That's not super mean. But, (laughs) Anyway, you'll understand what happens. We'll see. Uh, so anyway, we'll see. Uh, so thank you guys for thank listening guys. this season. It's been very fun uh, hanging with us. Uh, maybe you could all can join us for Korean barbecue sometime, or at least join us for Korean barbecue in your hearts. <laughs> thank you, everyone. Thank you, guys. We'll see you soon.